To the glue guys, this is Mike Ersalo Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, NetsDaily.com, iTunes, five stars. We want them, we need them, we have to have them. Brian, the Nets are back, dude. We're in, in the, the news. news, we're in the news big time. Uh, we are, we are the so in every NBA finals, there's always filler between games, there's news filler that happens, it's usually around free agency talk, and the Nets. Or the leading team in the Nets uh, NBA Finals free agency talk, Brian. This is an achievement of its own banner worthy in Barclays, I think. Um, how you feeling, baby? What are you doing, man? <laughs> I love it when you call me baby. Um, <laughs> I feel blessed. Hashtag blessed Hashtag to blessed. you know be in in the convo. Um, lots to talk about. You know this. By the way, you know our. Our last episode, it was a, a, a comment firestorm about the, you know, philosophizing of should we get Kyrie Irving, and if if Stephen A. Smith um, can be seen as prophetic about these kinds of things, and you know he's no Woj, he's no Shams, but he's 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 got his ear to the streets. Certainly, sounds like this thing might happen. You know, Mike. Yeah. Um, so for lot- all the the uninformed masses, though. I hope you're informed by the time you listen to this. Stephen A., they did a, uh, like a first take at the NBA Finals thing in Golden State, and I think like led the show. Stephen A. came out and said, um, that the, the essentially, Kyrie is leaning towards the Nets. He's let the Nets know that he's leaning towards them, that he will try to recruit KD to come to the Nets, but that Kyrie doesn't think that will necessarily work. But Kyrie has made it known to the Brooklyn Nets that he wants to go to Brooklyn. I will add that Stephen A. added at the end of it, I haven't talked to Kyrie. So who would he have talked to? Family member or agent? Okay, fine. Brian, Mm. electricity. So now that it is, okay. Are we getting closer to, is this going to be a reality? Are you, do you feel like the odds of this happening, Kyrie becoming a Brooklynette, is it getting better? Is it no different than before? Or is it actually getting better? Are things progressing? Um, look, we we talked about this in the last episode that I, I I point to the Las Vegas odds makers as some of the best evidence for Kyrie's camp laying the groundwork for for this move. Um, Vegas doesn't play around, Mike. When real money is at stake, they do not play. <laughs> so I've thought since since for a long time. That because of that, um, uh, because of that line they gave, that you know that that was serious. So, it, I mean, odds wise, it, it I don't think it moves the needle. But just as we get closer to the day where pen needs to hit paper, um, you know, I expect it to obviously ramp up more and so on and so forth. It's it's also like you know the the D'Angelo Russell like story from two days ago, where it's like D'Angelo Russell in the post is just like. I'll wait and see what everybody does. Um, leads me to think that he knows about the situation. 
Um, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of emails about this. I don't want to get too much into it. We should answer the emails and have that facilitate our conversation, do you think? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Let's do that. Um, I'm going to try to get to some new some of the new boys um, because, you know, yeah. I mean, we'll touch on them all. Let's get to all of them. Um, first up, Cherboy Max Dixon. Um so he just jumps ahead. So this is first the first email came in, you know, right after the news broke last night. So he's he was right there by the by the terminal. Um assuming KD and Kawhi aren't coming, which scenario do you prefer? Sign D'Lo for Max or close to it and run it back with most of the same team? Two, sign D'Lo and Kyrie, trade Crab plus twenty seven to clear cap space. Three, sign Kyrie and let D'Lo walk. So in that number two scenario, the like trading for Crab I, I don't think is necessarily have has to be baked into the situation um obviously mike we want to sign delo and Kyrie, assuming that <laughs> assuming that kd and Kawhi aren't coming this this is maybe is this your burner account mike uh, uh this is max dixon do you, do you want to actually know how i really feel about it oh my lord i would rather just sign delo and run it back run it back with mostly the same team because Mm-mm. I believe in what Sean Mark says when he says that we're going to do slow go- growth. We're going to do this the right way. We're not going to skip still steps. doing this. I can't believe this, dude. I don't want Kyrie Irving on the Brooklyn Nets, and I may feel differently when he is a Brooklyn Net wearing that black and white. And they're going to do a press <laughs> conference. It's the optics of the black and white that'll change everything. The famed black and white, and we're going to get. And I'll just tell everyone we talked about this before, but. We're going to get seven different stories in various publications, ESPN.com, New York Post, all over the place. Once Kyrie signs signs with the Nets, there's going to be all these stories about how last year was a learning experience for him. That situation was toxic. We're going to hear about things that happened on the Celtics team that had nothing to do with Kyrie that Kyrie is going to blame on what happened last year. Um, So... My thinking is likely going to evolve. I'm going to put my arms around Kyrie the second he signs with the Nets. But as I sit here now, you know, whatever we are, we're like 26 days from free agency, 25. I don't want him, man. I don't want him. So what I would rather do, I would rather just sign D'Lo to close to the max. I don't want to give him the max, but whatever it may happen. Um, Run it back. Keep the cap space. Keep the flexibility. Keep the young core. Maybe sign another guy, a guy who is like a $10 million guy, dollar player. Dude, I don't want Kyrie Irving. I don't want him. And I don't really want – I don't really want – I mean, I would be excited to see D'Lo and Kyrie to play together. But that's an awkward team, Brad guy. Mike, you have a case of – what is it? How do I, how do I describe this? You're, you're afraid – to fulfill mm-hmm. the greatness, you know, mm-hmm. you have you you're afraid to seize opportunity when it comes. You know this this team, lovable as it is, has a ceiling. You know, and I still think that if you just add a what is Kyrie Irving a top fifteen talent in the NBA? Well, he's if you believe all NBA, he's top ten, right? Sure, because and he's a top ten guy. You're you're literally just adding that to the core. It's still a nice big vote for the growth of the core. It just says, like, we are planning to go a little bit further. And another thing is, if you don't, you know, play up to our standards, the fact that we have Kyrie Irving now means that a lot of other people are probably going to want to play here mid-season, you know, a, or or not. I don't know. We're starting to see a lot of Anthony Davis rumors fly, flying around here. Right. So it puts you in a different echelon of NBA rumordom 
and that is unfortunately where you want to be if you want to be a championship caliber team. Now, I get it. You want to do this slow growth meme culture. Memes are great. I love them. I think that they're a little overblown. I think that that's sort of um, like a that's a safety blanket that it's very tempting. Um, I know you like your special blankies. I know that that's mm-hmm. that's something that's mm-hmm. that you like, but and you, you have comfort. to. You gotta risk it for the biscuit, buddy. And you know this deep down. You know it in your heart that this is this is pivotal, and it's also insanely low risk since we have a nice giant piece of cap space for him to take up. So that is the one thing that is nice about the Kyrie situation is that you don't have to give up anyone. Like so, in in Matt Max Dixon's uh, proposition here, it was sign D'Lo and Kyrie and trade Crab plus the Nuggets first round pick to clear cap space. I, th- I think the Nets can do it. Without that, they don't need to do all that. They can they can denounce everyone's rights except for D'Lo. They can sign Kyrie, and then they can sign D'Lo to max or near max or whatever like that situation is, and that's fine. Um, so they don't have to give up anything of value to get Kyrie Irving, and that's extremely attractive. And we will talk about the Anthony Davis rumors. And I do want to sort of define those rumors when we get to it because I think they're kind of being spun a different way than what, how it was written. But um, I, we have seen – I've said this before. We have seen what happens when you acquire a temperamental point guard who, once he becomes a part of your team, has demands in some way. Darren Williams had demands that led to the Gerald Wallace trade. And then the Gerald Wallace trade led to the Celtics trade being worse than it was because the Nets had to dump Gerald Wallace onto the Celtics, which cost them another first-round pick. Which well, I don't. But, and I hate to interrupt you here, but those those were under duress of him signing. Like this, in a world where Kyrie Irving signs a five-year deal or whatever four-year deal, um, like that, those demands aren't going to matter for a long time. If even if they do come, but I think. You, if you're going to sign Kyrie, you're going to want to content Kyrie throughout the entirety of your run. Kyrie doesn't seem like a guy who's like super content with any any situation that he's in. He was in Cleveland, demanded a trade, which he justifiably should have because he knew LeBron was going to leave. He goes to a good situation in Boston, which we've talked about maybe wasn't the perfect situation, not one that he chose, but he was there, and he doesn't want to be there now. He wanted to go to the Knicks that were told he wants to go to the Knicks, and now things are happening. They didn't win the lottery, and things are shifting, and his, maybe his thinking's shifting. He's not, he didn't sign any you know, contracts, and now he wants to go to the Nets. There's just a pattern of a guy who doesn't seem – his thinking changes on things. So even I, if he signs with the Nets – I actually think it's the opposite. I think, like, he's been pretty um, courageous in his thinking and, like, you know, pretty oh hard fast. God, I Ryan. do. I mean, the foresight to Ooh, leave – I see what leave, you're doing, Brian. No, I the, see what you're doing. The, the, well, so here's the thing, you're, right? You're so trying to if, be get into Kyrie's camp before he comes here. No, I, it's the smart <laughs> move, man. I get it. <laughs> I, I say this with, with no – my palms are completely ungreased here. Um, I think that, like, he's had some – some like, a, look, to leave Cleveland after reaching the finals as many times as they did or whatever um, is, like, a pretty forward-thinking thing to do. And I think that this is also forward-thinking. And it's the first time since, you know, for a while since he's been able to really dictate his terms, land on the team that he wants. Um, like – 
And the idea that he's certain about where he wants to go and has been for some time, and then, like, if you're taking Stephen A. Smith at his word, which, you know, I'm not sure that that's always a great idea, but the idea that he could then try to convince Kevin Durant, who is the kind of waffler that you're talking about, you know? Kyrie Irving... How dare you? Crazy as he's been, doesn't waffle. He didn't even waffle on the flat earth. I mean, he'd, like... (laughs) I, yeah, I went back. Your, I remember. Go into your flat earth I went back earth and rewatched analysis. it. He one million percent believes that the Earth is flat. Like that's I'm I'm certain of it now. Because like when they um, when the the press was asking him about it, he his like he never like really dispelled the um, like whatever the. The idea that he thought the Earth was flat. All he did was try to like point the camera back at them and be like, you know, it's crazy that you guys care what I think. And they're just like, well, if you believe something that's crazy enough, I definitely care. And do you believe it? And he was like, it's just so interesting to me that you th- that you care what I think. It's like that just says something, right? And they're like, I don't know. What does that say? Just tell us what you think. <laughs> can we can we get yeah. to the Kyrie Irving Instagram that came out like three days ago? I'm more concerned with the Kyrie Instagram that's like a massive deep cut that I can't find, which is like him just with a girl on a bench talking about like that they're not girlfriend and boyfriend. And I was just like that. That concerns me more than than the Illuminati stuff because the Illuminati stuff in a vacuum could be a meme, but like you know, writing a long paragraph about like a girl that you're not dating on Instagram, that's not a meme, and that's that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's very that's, personal. That's very personal and a little cringe. Um, so the most recent, if you haven't seen, Kyrie actually has had a very light social media presence, but of recent he's kicked it up a, a notch. And three days ago, he came out with this post of him uh, clinking glasses with a friend. And under it, it said, Hermetic Friends Incorporated, my light brothers and sisters, the age of no more secrets is upon us. World peace will be achieved in our lifetime. We better effing believe it. Let them have the fabricated bull crap. But he did bull, you know, asterisk, 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 asterisk. That genuine love and energy spreads all over the world. I, as an E-Y-E, see all. I am. And his his Twitter, like, uh, symbol or whatever, is, or his Instagram symbol is, what is that? Is that the... Um, yeah, it's some Illuminati. Like, Illuminati stuff. Um, so, um, okay. Dude, then I don't want to make fun of this because I don't know the deepness behind it. Maybe there's something more, like, there's something more maybe... That I don't understand about it, so I don't really want to make fun of it. But so we called out the Jimmy Butler, Mark Wahlberg stuff early on, and it's and actually Jimmy Butler is now training Mark Wahlberg's daughter in basketball. That came out on Mark Wahlberg's Instagram last week, um, and that's honestly why I would be afraid of Jimmy Butler a little bit because that's a little that's a little like I'm a star move, and I don't really want that on the Nets. This is just like a this is just goes in line with what we knew about Kyrie, that he's a different kind of thinker. And that's the, a, a nice way to say it, right? He's just a different okay. kind of thinker. But also, I mean, so here's the thing. My understanding of him is that he's just a unique thinker. It's not It's not totally problematic, and I don't think it like belies the no. toxicity yeah. that you're talking about in terms of playing on a team, whatever. Because also on his Instagram is him playing Super Mario Odyssey, you know, by himself, just solo campaign. That... That for me says a lot about the kind of person that he is. Does that you know? that, that appeals to you? I that imagine. appeals to me. You know, there's yes. he, he's not playing FIFA. It's not 
cod you know he's so he's... maybe we should in our debut uh twitch channel we just go through Kyrie's instagram and rate his different posts and how that how that relates how we feel about that whether he should be on net or not because uh, yeah i think it's as good a barometer as any with with a person like Kyrie, like when you're trying to think about whether his personality is going to devastate the team it's it's social media is going to be a pretty important barometer you know so I'm, I want to spin this forward for a second because I, I, we, we're going to talk about this a million other times. But let's say Kyrie signs with the Nets. How does the debate around the team change? Like, not even just uh, expectations, but, like, do you think the Nets will become more of a media magnet than they are now? Because right now, frankly, it's like Puccio, us, Brian Lewis, Greg Logan, and... I see what's going on here. Now I know. Now I know why you don't want Kyrie. <laughs> why? You, you you're a big me. fish in a small pond now. And, and <laughs> you don't want to see any great whites come into your little pond. Big old sharks. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's exactly right. But do you think, like, does this does Kyrie signing with the Nets alter the, the landscape negatively for the team? Like, the, the expectations may be too much. Or do you not really see that being an issue? So I I have moved more into the camp of I think it's totally okay if we just sign Kyrie Irving just because the um, impact it has on us, you know, infrastructurally in terms of our ability to, you know, get players and do whatever we want to do long term is is like it's there's a perfect landing spot just for that amount of money like should be used. It's, it doesn't do us any good. You can't take that cap space to heaven with you, Mike. Um, so then, so if they sign him, do you do you trade Dinwiddie, or does Dinwiddie still have value on this team too? So like, so you know, Dinwiddie, huge fan, love him. I would like to keep him. And so it's like I was saying, this is also a big vote for still more progression, right? If you just sign Kyrie Irving and you push pause on getting any other like quote unquote star player to join him or whatever, um, you are de facto saying, hey, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and D'Angelo Russell there's still a lot of room for you to improve because, you know, this team is only as good as, like, these role players around Kyrie Irving. Um, and they're not going to be role players at that point. I mean, like, obviously they would be, you know, they would need to ascend to the kind of primacy that Kyrie has to be a three-headed monster, which is a cringy term. Um, but that's what, that's, like, sort of the implication there. And if you fail to, you know, improve notably, then then I think you, I mean, you have Kyrie Irving, you've got a great, like, you know, start starting place. You've also locked in D'Angelo Russell to a nice long contract that's eminently tradable. There's just, like, a million things you can do if, you know. So, as, for me, it still feels like running it back with just, like, a massive improvement. Um, and, and I will say, like, if you you had, like, a crunch tie lineup of Kyrie, D'Angelo, Dinwiddie, Levert, because they still still have those. Dinwiddie and Levert are tall enough to play three and four against a small ball lineup. Sure. And then you know your five, you know whoever that if Jared Allen could stand. Bull bull. It's gonna be bull bull. Bull bull. Yeah, seven foot three, seven foot seven wingspan. <laughs> bull bull. That is a super interesting and very tough to guard lineup. Um, you got three point shooters pretty much everywhere. You got ball handlers everywhere. Um, I would love to see that. At, at the end of games, it would just make the Nets. And I, you, you actually you'd probably also want Joe Harris out there, but you can't play Levert at the five. So you'd have to figure that out a little bit. But um, 
Yeah, man. No, I, I, there's, there's a lot of benefits, right? And I think you make the best point about it. That it's like they could just if they can if Kyrie does want to sign with the Nets and he signs with the Nets, doesn't mean D'Angelo Russell is off the team. Um, it could mean that, but I don't think it would. Um, well, so let me just interrupt you quickly because that's yeah. your boy Nick Gregor, Gregoriades. Nick Gregoriades. Um, that's got to be a Greek name. Uh, says, I know the Kyrie, the Kyrie rumors to Brooklyn are steaming, but I'm a little nervous that if we sign him, then I think D'Lo is gone, your opinion. Right. Um, so what we've been saying this whole time is that I, I in, in this first phase of becoming a superstar-laden team, I think that D'Angelo Russell is going to be part of it. Well, and I, I want to get to this, and this is folds into this conversation we're having from Nick's email, netspot at gmail. Thank you guys so much for emailing us. Um, Sham Sharania did had uh, in his story on the Athletic talked about the D'Lo market, the D'Angelo Russell market. He says a market is forming for Nets All Star and restricted free agent D'Angelo Russell. Then he lists four teams: Utah, Orlando, Minnesota, and Indiana are among the teams expected to show interest, aside from Brooklyn. Okay, so let's just—I just want to go through the teams real quick because it kind of. You see those names, you're like, wow, there's a market out there for D'Angelo Russell, which, of course, there is. He's an all-star at the age of, what, 23 and, you know, number two overall pick former and shown that he's reformed his ways from his Snapchat controversy with Nick Young, which Magic right. Johnson said was the reason why he had to be off the Lakers. So now, but, you, have, now you also have an example of how facile the toxicity memes are. Like, like D'Angelo Russell is not seen as toxic by any standard anymore, right? Anyways, sorry, um, continue. I don't know about that. What? I I, dude, he's like good guy D'Angelo right now. He's saying all the right things. Even in yeah, free no, agency, he's being a perfect we know, gentleman. We know because I follow him on Instagram. Talking oh, about Instagram again. You're just talking about national media, like hacks? Is that what yeah. You're about? Yeah. Right, but so. okay. So let's just go through those four teams real quick. Utah, okay? Well, one, and, and you're going to see a, a theme that I'm going to be saying throughout a lot of these teams. D'Angelo Russell, who has played in Los Angeles and then Brooklyn, would have to actively decide to go to Utah to play basketball. And Utah has never signed a free agent in their lives. Never. Hasn't happened. So so we're so in this market scenario, we're assuming that D'Angelo Russell is going to go to Utah. And I'm like Mr. Like, put me in Milwaukee, put me in, you know, a small Midwestern city. Not that Utah's Midwestern, I know, blah, blah, blah. But I'm fine with all that. I'm but I am not speaking for myself. I'm speaking for D'Angelo Russell. I don't see a scenario where he's going to sign a max contract with Utah. Only The only way it would happen is if he's confident that the Nets would match, so he's going to get that max contract from Utah so that he can go back to the Nets. I don't think he, But I don't know if that's the case with the Nets. I don't know if the Nets are guaranteed to sign him with the max contract. I'm just saying. Okay, so Utah, I don't think that's really going to work. And also Utah has salary complications. Ricky Rubio's a free agent, so they'd be deciding to take D'Angelo Russell over Ricky Rubio. Is that the best thing for the team? Number t- Team number two, Indiana. There's a lot up in the air in Indiana if you look into the cap situation. Boyan Bogdanovich, 19-point-a-game scorer, um, is a free agent. They need to decide what to do with him. Again, D'Lo would have to decide to go to Indiana. Now, I think he's from, he's from like, Louisville or something originally, and he went to Ohio State to play basketball. So he's not unfamiliar with the region. And I think by me saying that Indiana's close to Louisville, I have no clue. <laughs> it may be. I think Louisville's close to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati, I think, is close to Indiana. I'm just saying stuff. Sure. But again, another situation where Indiana, this team that is supposedly within the D'Angelo Russell market, they don't have a clear cap situation as the Clippers or the Nets. Um, 
So they have to make a lot of decisions, and they would have to, again, throw a max contract at D'Lo to entice him to come. I don't think it's going to happen. Minnesota's the other team, the third team. Another place where D'Lo would have to decide to want to spend four years of his life at. He is very close with Carl Anthony Towns. We know that for sure, which is also my sub-theory of why Carl Anthony Towns is a trade candidate to join the Nets at some point. They have a Jeff Teague issue. They have to get off a Jeff Teague salary. They don't have a clear way to get to that number. They're already paying Wiggins max and Carl Anthony Towns max. Do they have room for a third max in D'Angelo Russell? That would be a a nice-ish team, but I don't really think that's a championship team. So I don't really know about Minnesota. And the final team is Orlando. Orlando is the most interesting of the four, uh, but they don't have the room. You know why they don't have the room, Brian? Timofey Mozgov. They still have Timofey Mozgov on their books. Our buddy, our big old buddy. That's just 3D chess right there. The Russian honey bear. The -hmm. Russian honey bear is still there sucking up cap space. Actually, Markel Fultz is sucking up cap space, too, $9 million a year. Uh, but I like that trade. The, so Orlando would have to do a lot of things. to. They would have to say goodbye to Nikola Vucevic, which they may. And I think they have to do something else. Say goodbye to Terrence Ross, which they may. They have to, then they still have to do something else to get to the number to then sign D'Angelo Russell to a max contract. So of those four teams that Sham Sharani, one of the most plugged-in you know basketball reporters in the world, none of those four actually really make all that much sense. Now, all D'Lo needs is one team to give him a max contract to, to, to push put pressure on the Nets and that if that max contract comes on, like, the first day, day of free agency. I understand that. But, I, I, I mean, it's going to be super interesting to see what number D'Lo gets. You know? I think he's – so do you think he's worth a max contract? And yeah, um, I know it's, like – Numbers, That's, numbers, numbers. In in biz, you know, they always say it's not what you're worth; it's what you can get. You know, that's just biz talk. Uh, um, so, like, is he worth it? I think probably. Is he going to get it? Based on you know a lot of the, your sentiments, Mike, it doesn't sound like there may be a market for that. Um, but I, you know, my mind is more about the geometry of basketball. You're the numbers guy in this in this <laughs> operation. So, um, with that in mind, let's kick it to Cherboy Matthew Abramovitz. One, do you think Kyrie and Russell would work as a duo? Two, what are the chances Durant comes to play with Russell as opposed to Kyrie? Thanks, guys. Looking forward to the pod. Thank you, Matthew. Um, so, <clears throat> Mike, in your in your like just really you know let your eyes roll back into your head and visualize a Nets offense where you're inserting Kyrie Irving next to D'Angelo Russell. All right. Let me what get next that, to a, what a does weirwood, that look like? A weirwood tree. One second yeah. to get next to <laughs> yeah. roll me over there, Bran. Hodor, Hodor. All right. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm at the weirwood tree. I'm plugged in. My eyes yeah. in the back of the head. Um what I see is a super fun Portland East offense, right? That's what we talked about. It's like mm-hmm. there's no reason why that can't work. We we thought that we were going to get this offense when Jeremy Lin and D'Angelo Russell were on the same team, and then Jeremy Lin got hurt, which is so rare because that never happens. Um, uh, it totally could work. It to- and, and, you know, it actually – what it does is it makes you a very – I don't know how it's going to work in the playoffs, right? And, like, we saw James Harden and Chris Paul play in the playoffs, and everything's fine. Like, I think, bef- like, a couple years ago, there was a idea that you only could have one ball handler and everyone else had to play off of that guy, or you can only have one wing who handles the ball a lot. And we're just seeing that, like, that's not true. 
And Kyrie and D'Lo would be pretty perfect together. They both Dude, shoot threes. It would kick know? butt because like Kyrie's just just basically a, a 50-40-90 guy. Like he's just a, a smidge under in free throw percentage, preventing him from being in that in that uh, rare echelon of athlete. Um, he's so good. He's so good. He played on a team where the offense was like entirely up to him. He was playing with Krusty Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, and you know Tatum, mid range Tatum. Yeah, yeah. They all took a like you know. I I think that uh, they you know with w- all credit to Brad Stevens's genius that we always have to you know genuflect to all the time. It's great. It's big, great, big brain. It's five head Brad Stevens. Uh, that offense like did not click. And I think it triggered the ever loving life out of out of Kyrie Irving, um, and I think it would click really easily. There's just like a lot more offensive guys that are able to create for themselves on this team. Like everyone on that team except for Tatum, who like you know kind of regressed a little bit this year. Um, like none of those guys can really create for themselves in the way that like all of the Nets' best offensive players can. Well, and like so, Kyrie was super successful playing next to LeBron. You know, and he got Kyrie got his while playing next to LeBron. So mm-hmm. I don't think like as much as I don't, like Kyrie's not issue isn't that he's a black hole offensively. That's not no. not they're both all. they're both combo guards, which is what's interesting about it. They're like you know like how Lillard only ever averages five or six assists a year. Although I think it went up this year or last year, or whatever. Um, they're very similar in that way. You know, they're not necessarily pass first, but like it's it's definitely part of their game. Well, and, and it's also. D'Lo, and we've, if you've watched the Nets, you've seen this. D'Lo's a super crafty, creative passer. Um, and he's more than just like a basic sort of, I need to, I'm going to do the pick. Guy's going to roll. I'm going to deliver him the ball. And I'm going to get my assist that way. He gets assists off of, uh, off of coming off of a screen, but then doing a cross court pass into the corner. He does crafty things around the hoop to get guys' buckets. So, and Kyrie is the same way if not even better at that so having two ball handlers who can both get by people but then do make that like super special extra pass that no defense can defend um it's gonna they would be really intriguing and and as you said the amount of ball handlers and shot creators you could have on the floor for the nets i mean like that's the whole thing you hear this under so like the warriors ushered in this era of three-point shooting and now the the era that's sort of developing and bubbling up even more is that like you just need guys who can create their own shot. You need ball handlers and guys who will move the ball in the correct way and all that stuff. And the Nets would have a lineup or multiple lineups, frankly, that you're going to have a lot of guys on the floor that can do a lot with the ball in their hands while still playing, hopefully, Kenny Atkinson system basketball. Um, so, I'm you know, it, it would be fun. I, I think in I terms like so when people say like what is the ceiling for that team like I think it could be actually very high you know if you see giant leaps from from Karis Levert and D'Angelo Russell like that could be a very good team a team that that you know gets gets deep into the playoffs I'm not saying championship necessarily or whatever but like yeah. you know a super fun deep team and 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 you made the point of adding Kyrie without giving up anything. It does in, – in let's – I don't know if we – do we have an Anthony Davis uh, question in the in the mailbag or not, but so – We do, yeah. So the other Sham Sharania 
uh, update was he says this is across the NBA rival executives believe the following teams will be able to compile the best packages. Wait, before we get into that, because that's a whole big other conversation. Yes. I want to touch on a couple more of these chemistry th- okay. emails, if okay. that's okay. That's fine. Because your boy Sean Mandelo um, echoes similar fears as your boy Matthew Abramovitz, but he comes at it from the perspective of... Um, you know, can can the Kyrie D'Lo tandem work, or is Kyrie just there to land the Nets a bigger star? Mm. Um, is it all just a a facade? You know, um, and well, so we we talked about the the Stephen A. report about Kyrie wants to join the Nets, and then he's going to try to get Kevin Durant to come. But Kevin Durant, he doesn't. Kyrie's camp doesn't believe they can convince Kevin Durant. Um, obviously, Kevin Durant's not the end all be all. Um. But it is, it's like, I don't think a team with just Kyrie bringing back D'Lo and then maintaining the core is enough, right? So someone else is going, something else is going to have to shake out, whether it's a trade, because the Nets will then have a ton of assets to, to be able to give away, or um, clearing enough cap space again to sign a free agent in 2020. And, I, you know, I don't know the class in 2020. I don't think it's actually that good from what I remember. Um I think that what you were saying, though, you talk about it does give the Nets a lot of flexibility if they sign Kyrie. There's no question. They mm-hmm. can go in f- four different directions. Some of them could be good. Some of them could be kind of destroying what you've built, and you're going to have to go back to square one at some point. That's my fear. We all know you're full of fear. Yeah. Um, that's okay. That, I'm going to get you through this, Mike. Um, so. One of the weirder parts of the Stephen A. Smith um, reporting about this was the Kevin Durant portion of it, which seemed, I would say, like lacking the same amount of confidence just based on my extremely high EQ and ability to, you know, really read between the lines and any given sentence that anyone is spitting my way. Um, Your boy Kenneth Frank also maybe picked up on this on those memes um, says, uh, hey guys, first off, big fan of the pod, big fan of you writing this email to us, Kenneth, so keep those coming. Um, my question is, if Kyrie decides to go to the to Brooklyn, as Stephen A. is reporting, what is KD's remaining incentive to join the Knicks as people are also reporting, which is still Stephen A.? Is the allure of the Knicks really so great that it outweighs their appalling roster and league-worst ownership? Thanks, Ken. Thank you, Ken. Um... So yeah, that was a weird part of the reporting that the like the that the idea that Kevin Durant has a strong opinion about not going to the Brooklyn Nets, even in a world where Kyrie Irving has a strong opinion about going to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, after all the hullabaloo about them playing together, that just seemed like an arbitrary, you know, stance. And I'm not saying that Kevin Durant is above arbitrary stance because I, I think he's very much about that kind of thing. Um, but. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it, like that would be a great idea. Um, well, I'll, I'll say this, and I love, I absolutely love this point by Kenneth or Ken, excuse me. Um, absolutely love it. The KD to the Knicks rumors though have been buzzing for more than a year now, right? So this was mm-hmm. happening when we believed that Kyrie would stay with the Celtics because he told specifically Celtics fans that he was going to stay there. So. Kevin Durant has seemingly wanted to go to the Knicks for the entirety of the season. Even as they were tanking, they, the rumors seemed to be as strong, if not stronger. You heard people talking around the league about the fact that, like, all these reporters saying, 
oh yeah, no, Kevin Durant's going to the Knicks. It's gonna happen. Like it's it's happening. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows it's happening. The, his production company bought more office space in Manhattan. You know, all this, all the sort of peripheral stuff that we all hear about is like was pretty legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it it would be. I told, I've said this before. If Kevin Durant just goes to the Knicks, just to go to the Knicks, I know this is strong. It's the biggest sellout move, maybe in the in modern NBA history. Wow. The biggest. Because, because so LeBron, every move LeBron made is justified in terms of winning basketball. Besides going to the Lakers, but like the Lakers are a different beast than the Knicks. The Lakers have a tremendous history of winning. So LeBron going to the Lakers saying, I'm going to go there and hopefully other people will come with me. That is something that has happened. The Knicks free and signings have been guys like Omari Stoudemire, people who are below tier, below top tier. KD going to the Knicks just feels like a move of a guy who just wants to be the star of New York. It's a mellow move. And Mello was traded, you know, to the Knicks. He wanted to be traded, blah, blah, blah. And at the time when Mello did it, it was more about it was still more about winning than what Kevin Durant is doing. Kevin Durant is only trying seems like only trying to go to the Knicks to legitimize his status <laughs> in NBA history, to burnish a reputation of being this great winner. He isn't getting enough credit for the championships that he's won in Golden State. Blah de blah blah. I'm not you know, this is just me sitting on the outside. I don't if he goes to the Knicks and like plays with like Kemba Walker yeah, that's a fun team, but like that's not a winning move, and that's just a move to make because you want to play for the Knicks, which is fine. Yeah, just, it, it isn't. It it's more of a sellout than going to the Warriors. I wasn't against the Warriors move. That was and so. This is this a basketball is why I, move. This is why I think the Kyrie Irving to the Nets thing makes the Kevin Durant to the Nets thing like at least ten times more likely, like le- le- legitimately ten times more likely because. Um, I think whoever is in charge of managing Kevin Durant's brand is like staring down the barrel of this summer and being like, my my whole life's work is like up up for grabs in this decision right here. Um, because Kevin Durant surely has not does not have a good instinct for what people like or want to see in a professional athlete um, in terms of like those you know major kind of macro decisions. Um, and I think it's like, you know, he is swayed easily by the influence of other people, like your boy J- Draymond Green or whatever it is. A-, a phone call goes a long way. Personal relationships seem to, to matter a lot for Kevin Durant. Um, and yeah, so I think like to, to all the other questions about this, like I think Kyrie Irving does put us in like an infinitely better position to actually land both of them, which makes us a potentially very, very good team. And I think like like I think the combination of Kyrie and Durant, even minus D'Lo, like I don't know how you really finagle the financials there, or, like how many like other parts, but just those two together um, with our role players um, makes this a Eastern Conference finalist range type of team. Um, is my line of thinking. And I want to say two things about that. You're talking about personal relationships with Durant. The Nets have those personal relationships with him. They have guys on staff. Adam Harrington was like, what, Durant's personal shooting coach and mm-hmm. was, you know, is a good friend of Kevin Durant's. Um, Adam Harrington, Nets assistant coach. There's people within the organization that know Kevin Durant fairly well. So, like, that, yeah. if personal relationships matter to Durant, which I think they do, like you said, 
the Nets are like more of the team than the Knicks. The Knicks is only a move just to be like a superstar. And to well, make it's it's a move that's like a like it's a legacy move. Really, it's a that a guy on your team would like be like, yeah, you should go to the Knicks because like I haven't thought this through all the way and I suck at my job and you're gonna fire me when you find out how everyone hates <laughs> you for doing this. Um, so like that's that's in my opinion like that's that's where that's coming from because there isn't a whole lot of connection there. Um, but, but I do want to say one thing, which is going to be the canary in the coal mine for mm-hmm. shit's really going down, is if the Nets do trade Allen Crabb before the draft, because the draft is June twentieth, free agency starts on June thirtieth. The you know presumably you're you're going to attach draft picks to Allen Crabb. Now maybe they're future draft picks and not the ones this year. Though most teams who are trading for Allen Crabb are going to want the ones this year because GMs who make those trades don't know if they're going to be. GMing next year. So if Alan Crabb is traded before the draft or night of the draft, whether it's the 17th pick, the 27th pick, or a combo of 27 and 31, whatever it's going to be, that that should tell – that's a huge, massive sign that the Nets are really going after it in some way, that they're mm-hmm. – that they have some indication, not just going after it, but they have some indication that not just Kyrie coming, that Kyrie plus someone – Kyrie plus Durant, Kyrie plus, I don't know, Chris Middleton, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what their relationship's like. I doubt there's any. But you know what I mean? Like, if they make that trade draft night, I the Nets, I don't think Sean Marks does that unless if he has a really strong feeling that he needs to make that trade. Um, so we'll tell you, we'll talk to you June 20th. And yeah. if that happens, then we'll go crazy. I can't, I can't stress this enough. Like, even though, Mike is wringing his knuckles all the way through to the end of this decision. Um, getting Kyrie Irving means that the Knicks don't get Kyrie Irving because I don't think he's going back to Boston and there's not a whole lot of other places that he can go. And if you're taking Stephen A. Smith or that part of that at its at its face, that means we're preventing our crosstown rivals from getting the two best players in free agency and we're getting them. It's symbolic on a variety of levels. It's it's also just impactful on a variety of levels. It's the best case scenario. We all need to just like really take a deep breath and embrace our fate here because we can't allow that to happen, you know, right next door. We just can't do it. It's it's uh, it would mean a paradigm shift in the NBA. Um, so I, I'm seeing this now on uh, Reddit via one sec. I don't know if I follow. I should follow Carl Anthony Towns. Apparently, Carl Anthony Towns Instagram storied. I'm pulling it up. Bump. He Instagram storied uh, an eye emoji, the two eyes looking left, a emoji, you know, doing the silencer move with their mm-hmm. finger over its mouth, and then at deloading, which is D'Angelo Russell's Instagram handle. What mm-hmm. is Carl Anthony Towns trying to say? Now, that came out 17 hours ago. I guess that's sort of around the times of the Sham Sharania story about the D'Lo market forming and one of the teams being Minnesota. Um, or it could also be the other way. It could be maybe Carl Anthony Towns knows something (laughs) (laughs) that he's going to come to the Nets. You would love Uh, that because that would make you very right about some things in the past. Yeah. And that's the only thing I I root for, Brian, is me being right. Um, okay. So sorry. We're just chugging along here. We're going to get to the Anthony Davis stuff, but first we have to check in with Cherboy Luis Torres, friend of the show. Um, if Nets max out, max out Kyrie and he's the best player on the team, can they actually win a championship? Um, 
Yes, I mean, I think so. This team, like this version of it, probably not this first year. Um, but I think in general, yes. Um, it's possible, it's not likely, um, is is my feeling. I don't know what the, like, this sort of like, um, I don't know, 2004 Pistons squad you have to put around him for that to, for that him to be the Chauncey Billups there. Um, but like that's that's possible. I don't know. What's your hot take, Mike? Um, so sort of my hot take is, I mean, it's it's like, I think yes, but that number two player has to be like just right at Kyrie's level. Right. So I mean, I've said this before, Kyrie was second team All NBA, and I know that's not the end all be all of determination of best basketball player, but. Because, like, Nikola, jo- Nikola Jokic-, Jokic was first-team All-NBA, and the Nuggets got knocked out in the conference semis. So mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that whatever, whatever. James Harden was first-team All-NBA, was knocked out as well. So, okay, that's all fine. Um, I think number two has to be, like, one, the just notch below of Kyrie's number one. But, I mean, Kyrie hit that massive shot for the Cavs for them to win the championship. Kyrie was not as good as LeBron, but he was a step below LeBron, and they won a championship. You know, if you construct a team with, like, Kyrie Irving, I don't know who else would be on the team, but, like, a really awesome wing who's not quite Kawhi Leonard, but, like, does some Kawhi Leonard stuff defensively and offensively, and then you had, you know, whatever, another guard like D'Lo who was an all-star, yeah, that's going to win a championship. Let's say Mm -hmm. it's, like, Kyrie, Clay Thompson, and... I don't know. Chris Middleton. Does that win a championship? I, I know that's like a stupid thing to say, but maybe that wins a championship. Um, I would, but my main concern though, with Kyrie being your best player is what type of environment is he allowing and what type of environment is created around him? Because again, we've just seen what happens when Kyrie is the lead dog. It's not great. Yeah. Um, now let's pivot into Anthony Davis talk, and we can do that. We can still bounce around via email because our email sphere is so plugged in to the goings on of the NBA. Mike, let's let's do this. Let's quick break. Oh, come back, break. Anthony Davis talk, and then I got I have to get to draft thoughts too, super fast. But we'll do Maybe all that. We'll save that for next time, dude. We're at we're at forty five minutes here. All right, we'll save it for next time. Um, break. Come back. Yep. All right, we're back. Um, <laughs> Anthony Davis. Do you, do you want to lead in with an email or do you want me to lead in with the news? Let's lead in. Uh, yeah, do the news. Okay. So Sham Sharania, this is also – I don't know if this is a tweet or within his story on The Athletic, but this is what Sham is saying. Uh, across the NBA, rival executives believe the following teams will be able to compile the best packages for Anthony Davis. The Lakers, Knicks, Celtics, and the Nets. Davis's preferred destination list of four teams includes Lakers, Knicks, L.A., Clippers – and I think the Bucks were on there, but for some reason that didn't transfer over. And that will embolden those teams who pursue him the strongest. I want to point this out, okay, before we get to anything. The way Shams is saying this, those are the four teams, the Lakers, Knicks, Celtics, and Nets, that can make the best packages. Not necessarily the ones that will do it, or the ones that are, you know, whatever, they're, that Anthony Davis is most attracted to. It's just the teams that most GMs view as having the best available assets to make an Anthony Davis trade. Okay. So, but we also have had reporting in the past that the Nets are after Anthony Davis hard. I forget who said that. But someone did. Um, what's an email that relates to that? It's your boy Jake Robbins. 
says, Hey guys, big fan of Nets Daily and the show. Mm. Um, Thank you, Jake. What are your thoughts on trading for Anthony Davis despite the Nets not being on the list of preferred destinations he claims he'd resign with? We've seen recently teams taking a chance on a superstar resigning with them. Paul George, uh, Kawhi, Butler. Um, it doesn't work sometimes. Kyrie, coincidentally. Has there been another example in recent memory? Memory. Oh, sorry. This is the second point. Has there been a, an example in recent memory that that would be similar to the Nets letting a young budding star like Russell walk after his rookie contract? Okay, separate, two separate points. Um, what do I think of the Anthony Davis stuff? I don't know. I don't know what to think about this. It's too. It's too crazy for me right now. Yeah. It's so we. You were talking about this last week about the names attached to an Anthony Davis trade is going to make people upset. Yeah. So I just want people to think about it this way before they get really mad at me. Lakers, Knicks, Celtics, Nets. The Lakers are going to give up Brandon Ingram and the number four of her pick. The Knicks are going to give up number three and Knox. I mean, I they I really think they're I, – I hate all the Knicks except for their number three overall pick, which is, which is fine. The Celtics are probably going to have to go up Tatum to get Anthony Davis, okay? So considering all of those packages, the Nets are going to have to give up Karis LeVert. That's the guy. That's the mm-hmm. guy on the level of Brandon Ingram, the number three overall pick, and Jason Tatum. That's the dude. And not even just Karis LeVert, but probably also include Jared Allen. Like, to me, the package that may have to do it, if you're, if you're not going to sign and trade d which is another possibility, it's Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, the Nets first this year, and probably another first. It's probably going to take two firsts. Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, maybe two firsts is too much. Um, maybe you can haggle protections and all that crap. Fine. And I think I do think Sean Marks, if I could guess, is a proponent of the don't get via trade what you can get in free agency mantra. Mm. Um, and Anthony Davis is going to hit the market in a year. Um, I don't think he wants to be in the... If I had to guess, I don't think he wants to be part of the p- team's betting that he'll resign and have a, a dangle a bunch of beautiful young talented pieces like like Harris Levert in the process. You know, and Net Income had a phenomenal point of the post on Nets Daily that people need to keep in mind. Um, Trajan Langdon, former Nets assistant GM, is now the GM of the New Orleans Pelicans. And if there's any player that would know the intricacies of the Nets roster, which young players show real promise, you know, we're told over and over again how great of a person Karis LeVert is, how, like, much of an impact he has on culture, that he's just, like, a guy who will do anything. So Trajan Langdon is one of the lead decision makers for the Pelicans. And if they're surveying the landscape of teams um, with all these trade packages, and they're all in front of them, Trajan Langdon can speak to specifically Jared Allen and Karis LeVert are great dudes and they have a lot of talent and they still have a lot of room to grow and if we get those two guys plus you put jared allen and zion on the floor together that's a lot of defense karis LeVert, uh, another switchable defender plus you have drew holiday you have the nets first round pick this year and maybe one in a following draft maybe throwing john amusa sure you can have him um <laughs> so low on on the dizza <laughs> um i'm t- i mean so that's actually if you want Anthony Davis on the Nets, which is tough to say. I I can't figure that out. If I do, I just need to know what else is happening. But if you do, um, the you know the Trajan Langdon being on the Hornets or not the Hornets, the Pelicans is is a bonus because 
what the Nets can sell in their trade package is culture. They can they can siphon off some of that culture. You know where they like teams throw in five hundred thousand dollars into a trade. The Nets can sell in five hundred thousand credits of culture into that trade, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's something that gives the Nets a little leg up over the Lakers package, which the, whole, the Pelicans owner doesn't want to do. The Pelicans don't want don't want to trade with the Lakers, but they may have to. The Knicks package, which is really the three overall pick, and then like crap, or the Celtics, which is Tatum, which is the biggest. I still think the biggest single asset of all those trades but it's basically tatum for anthony davis straight up and then some not great draft picks and marcus smart who is a culture guy too but you know he's not he's not as a valuable asset as jared allen or karis Levert. so i don't know man i don't know what i'm at like because this anthony davis thing could only happen i could i need to know is Kyrie coming i need to know is kevin durant coming you know like if they just traded for – if they re-signed D'Lo and just traded for Anthony Davis, that would be awesome. But I need to know that more is happening there. Do you know what I mean? Like another piece has to come with Anthony Davis than just D'Lo and Anthony Davis and then trading away Levert and Jared Allen. That's just mm. team building for my sense. Um, do you want to touch on the second part of the question? Ever Can you think of any examples of letting a budding star like Russell just walk after his rookie contract? Um I can't. I can think of trades, but I can't think of off the top of my head just letting guys walk. Yeah, I mean, so, but this is, we are entering the craziest, you know, let's let's dial it back to the beginning of last year. The craziest 14-month stretch in NBA history, potentially. Because you had the Knicks trading their best young star since Patrick Ewing in basically a salary dump move. Yeah, they got first-round pick, you know, uh, from the Mavericks. But like that's something that was unprecedented at the time. You you're gonna have an NBA Finals where it's a, there's a chance that the best team on the on the Raptors is gonna leave, and one of the best players on the Warriors is gonna leave, if not two of them, because Clay could still technically leave. So Durant and Clay could leave, Kawhi could leave. Two, three of the best players in the Finals could all leave. It's just all of this is all unprecedented. It's just none of it, none of it has happened really before. I'm sure it has. Like you could dig back into history and figure it out but this is uh, all pretty unprecedented and it would only happen if they got Kyrie Irving so um I've got a great email first time long timer uh true boy Jonathan Berman um says hey Mike and hello Brian love that um was reading the reports about teams interest in D'Lo Kyrie favoring the Nets and the Pelicans, getting ready to listen to tr- offers for AD, and it got me thinking about a potential three-team trade. The rumors about D'Lo and Cat got me thinking, while I'm with you guys and would love that duo on the Nets, we could benefit from their lack of cap room and have them send assets to New Orleans to help with a trade if we sign and trade D'Lo to them. It's their only shot at having room for him in their cap. So, in the trade, Nets sign and trade D'Lo to the Wolves. Nets trade Levert, 17th pick, and Kuriks to New Orleans. Wolves trade Covington in the 11th pick to New Orleans. Pelsen AD to BK. And this only happens if the Nets sign Kyrie. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Just a framework, since the trade machine doesn't allow sign and trades, but based off my calculations, this should work. I'm obviously not keen on giving up Levert, but he's clearly the Nets' most valuable player. Any thoughts? Uh, but he's clearly the Nets' most most valuable. Um, so that was a nice, succinct 
trade thought, Mike, that tied together all of the parts of the things that you were talking about. What do you think of that? That was a great email. Yeah, so so the Nets would then have Anthony Davis, Kyrie, um, I guess like Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, um, you know, they would fill out the rest of the roster or whatever. Yeah. Um, I do. I, I think so. The complication, like I was, I sign in trades, like supposedly way more complicated now under the new CBA. Blah blah blah. And Jonathan, I love your calculations. I think it doesn't quite work because um, Minnesota still would need to shed Jeff Teague's salary, like nine million a year, and they could figure that out. But it, they would have to attach a pick, or they it would have to be coming to Brooklyn in some way. I think they. I think the Nets could. It, it would be a lot to figure out. Do I want that? Um, oh man, that's tough. Because so basically, you are giving up. You're giving up D'Lo. You're giving up your first round pick. You're giving up Lavert, Karuks, and then what you're bringing in is AD and Kyrie. Your team is better. It has a higher ceiling, but you're also giving up a ton of assets. To replace a point guard from you go from All Star and D'Lo to a better player in Kyrie, I'll say that. But it's the gap between them is not massive. And yes, you do get Anthony Davis, which is top five player in the NBA. But then you give up a lot of young assets, including Levert. That's tough for me. Mm. That's tough because you would then have to continue to do more moves to improve your team. It hurts your culture, Mike. Does it? Yeah, it hurts culture. I don't know, man. I mean, so I'm also of the belief that you pretty much always need a top five player to win the NBA Finals, and AD is that. So it's 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 a big game hunting move, man. To get Anthony Davis would would make you a top three team in the East. No hot question. takes, hot takes, man. Last email I'll get to from the Teddy Roosevelt of our Mount Rushmore on the Glue Guys Mount Rushmore. Uh, Trevoy Luis. Lou Estevez. Um, and uh, I, this is a long email, and I've read it all, and I loved it, and there's lots to take away from it. I'll, I'll parse the actionable parts because he echoes a lot of the stuff that we've touched on before. Um, but here's what he's got. So he's talking about it's, it may be, it's annoying that it's too early to start speculating on 2019 free agency in the way that we are, which it is. It's, you know, this is a month away, but it's, you know, it's a good time, whatever. Um, but not too early to start speculating on 2020 free agency. He has a big man that can shoot crush on Kristaps Pazingas that he equates to Mike's fascination with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and he's always trying to assemble the tea leaves in that respective cup. Um, so as far as I, so he's saying, I'm quoting him now, as far as I know, though, uh, Kerstaps has been rumored to be wanting to sign the qualifying offer instead of doing RFA, meaning he'll play for a lower payday for the next year, a few million, and then become a UFA the following year. It would be a total betting on yourself move, especially for someone coming off an injury, but can it be possible that my crush may have a chance to become a net in the following year? Sticking it to the Knicks makes it even better as well, or am I crazy to think this is possible or even warranting or even dedicating brain cells to it. Um, crazy to be thinking this far ahead. Um, a little bit crazy, you know, in a great way. Uh, I think it's, you know, you should, you should really always be looking at every, you know, option like, and, and we tried to here on this show. Um, what's your, what's your hot take on, on Lou Estevez's, uh, Kirsteps Przingis talk. I will say, I feel like every free agency period, there's one thing that people don't even expect to happen. Like Chris Paul going to the Rockets 
that happens, right? Something that's not even really talked about, but that does happen. And if you survey the landscape, a Coronavia Towns trade would be one of those things. Um, CJ McCollum trade could be one of those things. But Chris Depp's basically thumbing his nose at the typical way of things are done in the NBA and saying, you know what, I'm going to take that qualifying offer and then get a deal that I want next year. And actually, I think if he does that, the Mavericks would then try to trade him um, because why would you help him improve his value? I don't know. Maybe not. I could see that, man. There's one crazy thing that always happens. It just that's how the world of the NBA works. And it would be crazy if Chris Stapps didn't sign the four year $120 million deal. And if instead he just decided, I'm going to sign for $6 million for one year. And then I can go where I want, which is Brooklyn. I want to be back in Brooklyn, mm. um, hanging out, eating Lucali's, chilling, taking the mm. G train. Getting some borscht. Standing in line at Trader Joe's. That's what he wants <laughs> Queu- to do. Queuing up for spuds at Trader Joe's. Actually, he's a key food fan. Um, um Are you one last, or tra- You're Trader Joe's. I know you're one right. last totally unrelated email that I just want to touch on really quickly. Yeah. Um, this is from your boy, Pelly Gunnarsson, who, um, if you remember, was the, was the guy that we sent to Condatori on his way to visit the Barclays Center for the first time. He's got a great email that I can't dig into too much, um, but have have thought about a lot in the past, and maybe we'll do a bit about it in the future. But he's talking about re- religiosity in the NBA. And um, so... I'll just read the thing. So, Pelle Gunnarsson from Sweden here. I live in the most secularized country in the world. Religion has no function for us. This is very Swedish sounding. So, I have a bit of a problem with the guys who are connected to the Brooklyn Nets free agency rumors. I don't want a religious freak coming to the team. I don't want someone who is taking business and basketball advice from his pastor or thinks the world is flat or that God placed dinosaur bones on the earth to test his faith. I don't want a player who thinks God for his opportunities or success or points to heaven after every made shot. Or a guy like Ennis Cantor who decided that it was more important to fast during Ramadan than play his best in the Western Conference Finals. So I'm pretty much screwed, right? Or do you, th- or do you have a short list of great, level-headed atheist NBA free agents or heavy metal listening pagan worshipping floor-spreading wing players? Guys that celebrate a made three-point shot by shredding an air guitar. Give me hope. I am a guitar, air guitar shredding pagan myself. Um, but the thing is, Pele... Everybody in the NBA is super religious. That's the big secret. That's the big secret that that nobody wants to tell you. A lot of people keep it under wraps. I will say this, and this is... I don't want to get too much into this, but I don't think Kyrie Irving's Flat Earth Talk, despite its origins being obviously a religious-based thing or whatever, I I think it's about YouTube memes. That's where I think it's about Mm -hmm. unscrupulous YouTube watching. Um, And I don't know... I mean, I have no idea whether he's religious or not, but... The modern day belief in flat earthiness comes from um, just an, a, a bad, just having bad taste for media. I think, I think that's it's, what it's really it's about. It's a symptom of the YouTube suggested video next of where you watch one and then he he happens to be getting fed flat earth confirmation yeah. videos. Totally. And they, and they basically it's more about, um, it's less about like, you know creationism than just like general anti-american kind of conspiracy stuff about nasa i think and and will the next the next version of that leads you into an even darker youtube vortex of like you know who's controlling nasa and right probably anti-semitism that's that's really where that generally the the way it goes yeah (laughs) um 
Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, Pele? Pele? Pele. Pele. Um, yeah. So you're screwed. Yeah. Partly, partly the reason why Kevin Durant's linked to the Nets is because him and Adam Harrington, I think, are their friends, but they have a religious connection together. So I actually am very much in support of religion, using it as a prop, as a wedge <laughs> to, for the Nets to sign Kevin wow. Durant. If they want to host a, a service every Sunday at Barclays, if that gets to Kevin Durant, I'm fine with that. I'll go as a Jew. I will go. I will um, do whatever they want. I don't care. Truly the opiate of the masses there. Um, Pelly, that's a great that's a great line. Um, I think, Mike, I, I, we've gone to an hour and three here. This is a long one. Should we do want to touch on anything else? or? No, nah, this is bonkers. I'm so sorry. I know everyone really wants to hear my NBA draft thoughts, but we'll... Uh, There's plenty of time. We got, we got a whole 15 more days. Yeah. So thank you all for listening. Uh, Netspot at gmail.com to continue to contribute to the show via email. We appreciate it. We love everyone that did it today. A lot of new names. Really awesome to see. Um, Netsdaily.com. iTunes, five stars. We want them. We need them. We have to have them. At BK Glue Guys on Twitter. And thank you all for listening. Brian. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Woo! Yeah, boy. Yeah.